about 15, 20 minutes to get to the apartment complex. But as you guys get out of your cars in front of the apartment complex, <laughs> um, you guys see a very old and kind of faded uh, brick and mortar apartment building. What was once a brightly colored red has now faded into a mixture of coppery rust and just the red has completely faded. And you can tell that from the outside, this building has lost a lot of its uh, shimmer and shine of previous glory days, so to speak. So I to get no more. <laughs> you're just like I have no idea what you're talking about so as you take a look around so the best way to kind of describe this area of paint town think of um, kind of envision if you will it's kind of closely resembling the Bronx so the majority of the buildings in this area of the neighborhood are all nothing but like very tall apartment buildings and there's graffiti all over the place it's not necessarily a bad part of town, but it's very densely populated. And it was one of those areas where they built up a multitude of apartments in a very short amount of time. So it doesn't look like a lot of these build. You're surprised to see a lot of these buildings still standing. And as you as you're the bad part of town, it's just kind of gruff looking question. Mark. Yes. Mm hmm. Fair enough. Yep. All righty. So you guys make your way into the apartment, so to speak. And you guys make your way through the courtyard and then up a couple flight of stairs. And then lo and behold, you guys are uh, in front of apartment 406, which is where Ellie and Pauline are um, uh, living at. So... I guess the question is, who's going to knock on the door? Friedrich. Uh, Friedrich. Oh, Friedrich okay. is the designated knocker and or door kicker. He's the hunk of German love. You got to send him in first, because if they look through the, you know, the pe the eyes people, they're like, wait a minute. We'll open the door for that guy. Okay, cool. So, Friedrich, you're going to knock on the door? Yes, I am. Oh. Okay, cool. Alrighty. And what was the apartment number, by the way? The apartment number was 406. 406. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. So 406 Big Blue Avenue is the address. So apartment 406 Big Blue Avenue. Gotcha. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So Friedrich, as you knock on the door after a couple of seconds, uh, the door opens up. And you kind of see a, a very petite uh, woman, uh, dirty blonde hair, uh, very light skinned complexion. She has hazel eyes. She's kind of uh, she has a basic white T-shirt and she's kind of wearing a, a salmon colored uh, cardigan and some jeans. And she's like, um, yes, uh, can can I help you? Yes. Um Sergeant Krupp of uh, the Pantown PD, is this the residence of uh, 
Pauline and Ellie Woodworth? Uh, yes, uh, oh, uh, I'm Pauline, uh, oh, thank goodness you're finally here. Is there any update on, uh, the location of Pauline? What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, I guess by that reaction you weren't in, uh, never mind, um, come in, come in, I'll, uh, I'll explain everything, and maybe you can help me. Uh, of course, be happy to help. Yes. And she kind of lets you guys into the apartment, so as you walk in, the apartment is relatively small. Uh, it's more like a studio than an actual apartment uh, floor plan, so... The kitchen and the dining slash living room are all in one area. And then like the bedroom is like adjacent in another area of the uh, room, so to speak. So everything's kind of just all out in the open, just in different spaces in the small kind of square uh, perimeter of uh, an apartment building. So she kind of sits on the couch and she. Well, she goes to the kitchen first and she grabs a couple of waters, things like that, and kind of puts it on the counter for you. And then she kind of leans over and says, like, uh, here's a that's not much, but uh, here's some waters for all of you. And she kind of just puts them out on the counter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so first, um. Miss uh, Ellie, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, you said that uh, Pauline is missing? Uh, yes. Um, I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's not like Pauline to not come back. Um, she's, And when I talked to the other officers, they said that unless she's been missing for... More than 72 hours, like, they can't file a missing persons report, but it's not like her. She, she's been gone for a day now, and um, I'm just worried. It's, of all the years that I've known her, it's it's not like her to just up and disappear with, without telling me. I I will personally look into this matter, then. I would vow to you that he will personally look into this matter. I, I... I'm sorry. Um, if you're not here about Pauline, then may I ask uh, what it is you are here about? A mutual acquaintance of you two. I would recommend taking a seat. Uh, sure, I guess. Um, and she kind of goes to the sofa and she kind of sits down. So, yeah. And I'm um, just saying to make, uh, the person in question more comfortable, Cerberus will actually walk over and just kind of sit next to them. Ah, He's checking his notes again. <laughs> but, uh, Miss... but, uh, uh, I'm sorry. You, no, no, you go first. Um, uh, the reason that, uh, we are here is because you and uh, Pauline had a little uh, little incident at uh, 
Shinobi Sushi uh, the other day. And we're just here following up with that. Uh, can you uh, can you give us your all sides of the story? Because we have so, talked with another party I, member. As you're kind of getting this information out, Friedrich, she kind of interrupts you. She's like, oh, no, I already told David that I have no interest in him. I have no desire to be with him. I'm a happily married woman. He's and- dead. Oh. Sorry, that's the best bedside man. <laughs> well, I guess I guess that's a relief. Oh God. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's still terrible, but uh, I don't feel bad that he's gone. Oh, that's Actually, neither do I. Especially after everything he put me and Pauline through the last couple of weeks. So wait, hold on. I got to back this up. She's married. Yes. So, okay. So let me give a little bit of a thing. So if it wasn't, if I didn't make it clear enough. So uh, Ellie is married to Pauline. So these are, these are two. So these are two women. Uh, They are happily married to each other. Pauline is currently missing. And they are involved with whatever David and, like Minnie knows both of them. So Ellie and Pauline is who Ellie was referring to as the other party at the little scuffle at the Shinobi Sushi. And David is connected to these two as well. Okay. I, was, I misheard or I didn't hear the whole thing. I was, I was under the assumption wherever you gave names. I misheard. I thought they were sisters. I apologize. No, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. No. So Ellie and Pauline are women and they are happily married to each other. Okay. All right, so we are going to we're going to side quest to find Ellie's wife. Then is what we're saying. Potentially, if you like, but <laughs> I am going for every single fucking side quest. Let's go find this girl. Uh, and, hey, and, uh, I am a dedicated police officer, and somebody is missing. Okay. Uh, well, technically, you can't do shit because you're part of the law. Corey is it? That badge can <clears throat> excuse me. That badge can come off. So we can be all kind of vigilante justice, Friedrich. Uh, don't want to do that sometimes. I'm not wearing hockey pads, Friedrich. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, back on track, everyone. Yeah, back back to it. I'm sorry, it's going to be a rough one today. I'm trying. It's okay. I, I love this energy. We but honestly, yeah, if there's... A, there's now a potential side quest to go find Pauline at some point. But yeah, so uh, Ellie just looks at you and is just like, again, uh, I feel bad that he's dead. But after everything David put us through the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'll be honest with you, officers and associates. Anyways, um, I can't say I feel any sense of remorse or I can't empathize with it. It is a tragedy, but as they say, karma is a bitch, so to speak. That is understandable. Um, but what was he doing uh, beforehand? I'm sorry, what was that? What was he doing for these past few weeks? I was getting to that. Yeah, so I figured that's where Friedrich you were going with. So <clears throat> I, Corey's blood is a rock at this rate. <laughs> 
Alrighty. So. So here's exactly what everything that. So Ellie begins to tell you guys in full detail exactly what it is. So she kind of recounts all the uh, events that have happened over the last couple weeks leading up to the Shinobi Sushi kind of little scuffle. So. And again, I'm going to be recapping some information that you guys have found out. So. Everything will kind of go in here. So as you guys found out upon when you investigated David, David is a kind of high flying executive at Orimaka Finance. So realtor, all that kind of stuff, all that good stuff, financing of houses. That's what he does, which means he makes bank. Based on the information you collected from Minnie, she met David through a, a, the lots of riffs app. Plenty of riffs, actually, so to speak. We're making this canon. So that means that he was single. And all that kind of stuff or whatever. So Ellie kind of begins to tell you that over the last couple of weeks, David has kind of been uh, stalking. So at first, David would pop up at Shinobi Sushi sometimes when she and Pauline were there. And at first it was just a couple of glances. And so Ellie didn't think too much of it. But then it kind of escalated a little bit with David kind of trying to impose himself uh, to pa Ellie at the diner. And so he would make overt advances to Ellie, even sometimes in front of Pauline. Uh, at first, she she and Pauline... Pauline and Ellie both refused David politely at first, but then he kept continuing on and on with it to the point where Pauline uh, started to threaten David that he needs to back up and everything kind of escalated uh, the other day at Shinobi Sushi where he tried again, but Pauline wasn't having it. So she actually got up and threatened to hurt David if he didn't leave them alone. But David kept going on, which co coincides with what Minnie was telling you guys about the little verbal scuffle where David kept going on and on into the point where actually Pauline got in David's face and kind of pushed him a little bit before Ellie came in to calm the situation down and grabbed Pauline and walked out of Shinobi Sushi, leaving David and Minnie inside as they left to return home for the day. So, yeah, all to say that uh, David was kind of a sleazebag, so go figure. I'm perfectly okay with him being dead, so uh, next mystery. The king, the king couldn't keep his mind off, and it killed him. Yeah. Uh, again, well, okay, let me go into a little historical lesson here. So Clearly, Goliath won the fight. <laughs> well, before we get into that, so I would like to take this opportunity to start something new and give a little insight to everything. So as we learned from our little hunt in, info hunting at the Rambling Root, everybody learned, including the listening audience, learned that David Guyen is has the rift of King David from the Bible. And if anybody knows anything about King David, King David, after he slayed the Goliath um, and became king of Israel, he actually uh, had some problems with some uh, coveting other people's wives and things like that. 
And anybody familiar with that part of the King David storyline, he actually sent he actually coveted uh, one of the so- the soldiers that was working for him's wives. And so in order to get her to himself, he actually sent this poor little soldier out to the front lines, knowing full well he was going to die. And then he died and then he got shacked up with the wife and everything. It it was it was gross. It was crazy. So that mirrors exactly what David was doing here, like all that good stuff. But anyways, that is your rift lesson for the episode. So go figure. Now, back to the the more, you know, Um, I have a I have one question, which I hope you don't mind answering. Does your wife use green lipstick? Oh, um. Not really. I mean, I do, but I usually wear lipstick, but she's she's not. How do I put this? She's not very makeup. She, yeah, focused. she's not very makeup heavy. And in fact, uh, here and she kind of uh, Ellie walks over and picks out, picks up a picture frame uh, from one of the side tables and says, as you could tell, this was us uh, not too long ago when we went out to dinner with a couple of uh, friends of ours. Well, more of Pauline's friends than anything. But uh, in this picture, you could see that Ellie is kind of uh, dressed up in like a very nice kind of uh, black dress with red lipstick in the picture. And then next to her, uh, kind of hugging her, is a large, heavier set woman uh, kind of dressed in... Which is funny. She's dressed in kind of like a black, a red and black uh, flannel kind of shirt and some dark blue jeans and some brown work boots with some suspenders uh, kind of attached to them. And she, uh, Ellie so kind of. Boy, huh? Well, OK, and I can say this because it is inclusive. So if we're going to be honest in this relationship, using the correct terms. So uh, just a forewarning uh, listening audience, uh, please let me know if I get these terms wrong. But just in case, I just want to put it out there. But in this relationship, uh, Ellie is the lipstick lesbian. So a lesbian who usually is more female presenting, like makeup and all that stuff. And Pauline, she is the more butch lesbian. So very masculine in certain areas, like doesn't really wear too much effeminate clothing. But yeah, so she's the tomboy, a.k.a. the butch lesbian in this relationship. Hmm. All right, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's basically wearing like a lumberjack's outfit in this picture. And Ellie's just like, yeah, she's not really one for makeup and stuff, but that's what that's what I love about her. And you can just see an expression of sadness kind of cross over uh, Ellie's face as she's reminiscing. But yeah, um, Cerberus will walk up and kind of nuzzle her leg. Basically, mm-hmm. a doggo saying it's OK. <laughs> no, I just want to find her partner like literally i forget the rest because he was a scumbag piece of shit so let's go find find the partner and go from there 
derailing it even worse. I am. I am. I'm a, I'm a force to be reckoned with today. I'm. I'm Miley Cyrus in the fuck all this. I'm gonna like a. I came in like a wrecking <laughs> ball. You know these two events could be connected. Oh no 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 no! That's nope. I'm not going to think about that. Let's <laughs> put it out in no ethos. What you thinking about, you pretty bastard? Um, Mikey. I I I, I pull. I pull in. Mac and Whisper saying, "Let me put it this way: If what I think happened is happened, we're gonna find another dead body. Let's just hope I'm wrong." Why the fuck did you say that? You shouldn't be thinking that kind of shite. Why are you putting that shit out there? Sorry, I am. I'm derailing shit way too much today. It's but fine. Just, I, 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 pull, I, pull, I, pull, I pull back. I'm a mobster. It's something that is common in the field. <laughs> All right. So as Mac and Corey are having this conversation, uh, Friedrich, you wanted to ask something? Uh, yes, I wanted to ask a question to the marshal here. Um, did she say, uh, I, when I said, uh, was speaking to another party member, did she say that she had already talked to some other cops or was that Minnie that said that? No. So when you said, uh, when you said our other party, she assumed you were talking about David and before Corey mentioned that David was dead, she was under the impression that David hired you and was pressing charges for whatever reason because again david has money so he can do that so she thought that it was a case of you trying to find some dirt to press charges against her and pauline for what happened at shinobi sushi ah okay okay i'm sorry things have been so chaotic these past couple of days i i have short time memory so anyways thank you for clearing that up yeah by the way, uh, Friedrich, uh, well, oh. actually, it was either you or Corey that uh, mentioned the lipstick. So, that was uh, Corey. Uh, yeah, so Corey, you mentioned the lipstick. So, Ellie's just like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I wear lipstick, but uh, she doesn't. And so, Ellie kind of goes to uh, her makeup bag and she pulls out her lipstick. She's like, usually, I like to wear the red one on special occasions, but Pauline also bought me this one and she kind of opens it up and it's a green kind of shade of lipstick. She's like, I don't really wear this that often, but sometimes I'll wear it only if I'm wearing like darker clothing or, you know, just to kind of spice up a little bit and just make Pauline smile a little bit. Green's not really my color, but I've learned to kind of work with it in certain scenarios. I want I to just, say something, but I won't. I don't want it to be taken the wrong way. I just, I believe I'm just like staring at the other two. Like, uh, I don't want this to be like the get. It's pointing towards her, but I don't think it is. <laughs> By all means, you can investigate the lipstick if you want. He wants to, he wants to investigate the poison lipstick. Um, I want to pull out a uh, picture on my PDA real quick and look at the picture of uh, Mr. Guyen 
and basically I all judge the uh, the shade of green to see if it's a match. Mac does okay. too. Okay, so I'll say that looking at the picture, <laughs> the of color blind is going to judge a color. <laughs> Wow. Look, that in there on you, didn't I? <laughs> Damn. Damn, Josh. You didn't have to go in on Wes like that, bro. <laughs> but no. In all seriousness, as the both of you investigate the photo and look at the lipstick, it does match the green shade. However, if you want to determine if there's poison in said lipstick, you're going to need to take it back to Dr. Winthrop in order to compare the samples. Mac will lick it to well, see what happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, it's like, uh, well, you see, we're going to have to take this just so we can make it through them. <laughs> All righty. Or we so, can just do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, that my, good, my good friend, this will not end well. I look over at Doss and I just tell her to have EMS on standby. (laughs) She just rolls her eyes and like gets ready to call it just in case. So Mac, as you lick the lipstick, I mean, minus Ellie, who looks at you in a look of confusion. um, The rest of your compatriots are looking at you with a look of concern. You lick the lipstick and a couple minutes pass by. And other than gross lipstick on your tongue you don't feel any different and you feel you feel fine say i told you guys it'd be perfectly all right everything's fine still everything's fine unfortunately now the poor girl was also gonna have to buy a new set of lipstick because i don't think she's gonna want that now yeah you 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 can keep it if you like um i'll make a note for later (sighs) I, 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 or he just pulls, pulls out as well. I don't know. He, he, he probably buys a lot of makeup from the girls sometimes. I'm guessing, right? Uh, what was your question? I'm, I'm guessing Corey's gonna have to buy some makeups for his girls sometimes, right? Sometimes, yeah, probably. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 he he leaves some money for her to pay to pay her back. I, I'm so sorry for my companion here. It's so it, it's okay. Um, I mean, yeah. And Ellie kind of just looks at the money and kind of pockets it. But yeah, um, I'm sorry. You you mentioned. I have to ask, uh, what ex- what were you looking for exactly by licking the lipstick? Mostly the flavor. Uh, I don't know if we want to tell. We don't. I don't know if we want to tell her. You know that he didn't die of a car crash. He was poisoned, then died. You know. I don't know if I'm that's sorry. something we want to like push on to that. Okay. Uh, oh, so you're just going to say like. Uh, you know, just uh, just looking at it, and it, it 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 was green, I think, and I have a thing for licking green things, and um, I'm a vegetarian by nature. He's just lying one lie after another after another because he's like, I don't, we can't tell her it was poison because that's a whole another thing. If 
Paul, you know, Pauline's missing same situation. Uh, Mac. Well, once again, we're going to I'm going to have you roll <laughs> or a sneak around because you're deceptively trying to sneak around the truth here. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's just going to be uh, charming, diffuse attention and likable. And we're going to throw f- fear of disappointment on that one only because he's not trying to he's just he doesn't know where to go with this. So he's just improvising. So it'd be Charming, diffused attention, likable, and fear disappointment. There's nothing else really going on here. I can think Okay. Of. From nine to five. From nine to five. Uh, eight. Okay. There's so, complication. Yeah, so it definitely is a soft success. Uh, there is going to be a complication, though. Fuck. So. Well, the complication isn't going to be too bad, I don't think. But Ellie is a little puzzled still about why you would lick a lipstick. And I mean, for the most part, you kind of convince, well, you more convince yourself that, you know, you just want to do it just because. But Ellie looks at you, Mac, and it's just like, now, I know... I know a lot's been going on and I can't even imagine what it exactly is that you guys are, you know, like what kind of timeline you're under here, but I don't appreciate being lied to. I need to know, does this have to do with Pauline or not? What is going on? I need you to answer me right now. Uh. First off, Corey's going to change change the cane into a bat, then back into the cane. It's your reaction. You do that, and she doesn't really have a reaction to it. Well, we don't know if this has anything to do with Pauline, per se. But, Mr. David had green lipstick and was poisoned to death as the car crashed, which most people would think killed him first. Okay, but that doesn't answer my question. It, I asked what it has to do with Pauline. I don't care about David. We'll say if you want to get ta- if you want to get tactical, we didn't know Pauline was missing till right fucking now, so and I, it, I don't know. And she's been missing for over a day. And there was evidence before Mr. David passed that a gun was fired that he had. I don't know any other information, but that's all we know at the current moment. We're still investigating. We don't know what to... We will find Pauline. Probably. Ellie kind of just goes back to the couch a little bit and she kind of just sits there for a little bit and just says, you know, there was a glimmer of hope. Granted, you weren't here initially looking for Pauline, but I thought that maybe just maybe I could potentially get some help to find her. 
Because it seems you I'm will. the only one looking. And she kind of looks at you, staring daggers at you, Corey, kind of like telling you to shut up. <laughs> right, she's, she's, she's giving back the, the look of, I, you think that scares me? I've seen worse. At this point, Dawes kind of just comes to you, Corey, and just like, just gives you a shaking no, and it's just like, let it go. <laughs> and so, Pauline, not Pauline, Ellie kind of just. He's back! Like, Right. <laughs> Ellie kind of just looks at the floor and is like, but you know what? If this is all that is going to come up with it, nobody wants to tell me anything. I think it's best if you all leave now. Without she saying a word, Mac walks out the door. Corey gets up. I, 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 I told you. Absolutely. So you're cutting in and out, Josh. Sorry. <laughs> no, internet, don't do this. Okay, now you're coming in clearly. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, cool. But so yeah, I had to you. step away for a couple minutes and I come back and everything has gone from zero to 100 real quick. I'm like, I have no idea. So I'll give you the short version of it. So, uh, communications Mac broke down. Yeah, communications broke down. Mac tried to be as tactful as possible by not revealing too much of the truth of what happened. He rolled. He got a soft success with a complication. Ellie feels that there's there's still uh, not telling her the whole truth. And things kind of just escalated, and now she's and, upset. And, and then I told her the whole truth, and she's upset. So... She's gotten frustrated and she's hurt and angry. And now she just asked everybody to leave like now. Yeah, of course, he's gonna get up and leave and not try to fight his side, even though he wants to. Friedrich will just kind of usher everyone out. And uh, as he's uh, as he's walking out, Friedrich's going to be the last one to leave. Uh, I put mm-hmm. a uh, card on her, on one of her tables, and I go, believe me, it's this job, I know you are very upset, but me personally, I have no idea what you are going through, so as you wish, we will leave, but when things calm down a little, if you feel like talking, and you just want to talk to just just me, this card has my number on it. If something comes up, call me. If we find out more, I will call and I will let you know. And with that, I set the card on the table. I leave and I shut the door behind me. Well, I got bad news and I got good news. Bad news is we have to find Miss Pauline. Also bad news, she's a sleeper, which makes, at least that's what I got from her reaction, because she didn't notice Mr. Stick Change. So, as you're saying this, um, Corey, to the rest of the group, Doss just kind of walks over to you and kind of just, just is like, what the hell was that, O'Reilly? I was just like, you had to be a smart ass. The w- I really. was not being a smart ass. 
She asked for the truth, so I gave. I rather, I rather have known that maybe if I was missing my wife, I, I would ask her the same questions. Sure, I wouldn't like the answer that maybe they're dead or that they're missing or anything like that. But I'd rather know than not know and get lied to in my face and not very good ones, to be honest. But you don't know that she's dead, O'Reilly. I don't. And I told her I don't know. I said to have hope. I might be blunt, but sometimes you need bluntness. And sure, sometimes you need bedside manner. And that's what doctors are good for. I'm not a doctor. I'm not. And I know what I did, most people did, don't like before. But at least I was telling the truth. And that's why I have to hide it from her. And sometimes that's what you have to do. <sighs> you know, O'Reilly, I'll just say this. I was hoping to ask her some follow-up questions, like, I don't know, maybe when the last time she saw Pauline was, if, like... Oh, uh, any... uh, yes, I know. That was, the, that was what was going to happen until, you know, someone ate the lipstick. I'll say, Mac is nowhere near you guys. He is down the stairs <laughs> and outside. He has his car waiting for you guys to come home because he knows he fucked up. But he's also sitting there going, he's trying to do the job of not being the asshole and not be like, hey, we could be because we're not cops. That's cop's job. We're cop adjacent. So he just walked out. So he has no idea what's going on. So. <laughs> I'm just going to say from where Friedrich is at he can kind of hear what's going on but he didn't stop either He after he closed the door he's just on his way back out to the vehicles okay cool. the, the delicacy went out the window as soon as that lipstick was eaten there was no going back and asking those questions which would have been needed you know, O'Reilly, at this point, what's done is done. There's no point in retreading old ground here. I wanted to ask her some questions, but not in this current state. And I don't know if she'll ever want to, but it is what it is. So we just got to move on and continue on with what we're going to do. However, in the meantime, yes, you're right. Sometimes situations need you to be bluntly and honest here that you need to tell people the truth. But you also need to think about their feelings or the person you're talking to. Yes, you may have needed to hear the truth, but you could do it in a way that's not already piercing the heart that is still trying to, is loosely held together by whatever is keeping it in one piece. But of course... I don't know what I thought thinking that Corey O'Reilly, ex-mobster, was good with feelings. And as she kind of just walks back, as she kind of walks down the stairs, Quinn is kind of walking ahead of her. And Dawes walks past you, Corey, and she kind of says, as she's heading down the stairs, she says this loudly enough for you to hear, but not really looking in your direction, just continuing on to the car. She's like, I'm surprised you even have a connection with your own daughters. 
I fear for those little girls sometimes as she walks down the stairs and walks back to her vehicle, leaving you up on the fourth floor uh, where uh, Ellie and Pauline's apartment is. Um, okay. Corey's just going to go down Gojo's car. And he's going the opposite direction. Okay. Well, I guess Corey goes off into the opposite direction for a little bit. And Quinn kind of just looks at everybody sensing the tension. It's just like, uh, why don't we, why don't we, re- why don't we call it for right now? Uh, tensions are a little high. Um, uh, everybody kind of just needs to cool off a little bit. So why don't we call it a day and then we will, um, we can pick it back up tomorrow. Does that sound good with everybody? I mean, not going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not upset or mad at anyone. I just walked away because she asked us to leave. I know I fucked off, so I walked away. Thought I took a high road. But yeah, we can, we can, we can reconvene tomorrow. Well, I was more so saying so, because I don't think Daz and Corey are going to be seen eye to eye if we keep going today. So let's just call it for today. And Gwen kind of looks over to you, Friedrich, and is just like, let's, uh, let's, after our shift, let's take Quinn out and kind of talk to her a little bit. I think all of us could do with a good drink after this shift. Okay. And so everybody gets into their collective uh, vehicles. Um, Friedrich, you, Dawes, Quinn, and Cerberus head back to the uh, precinct. Mac, you kind of head back to your apartment. Yep. Um, And then Corey, where is Corey heading right now? Corey is going to... He's going to see one of his... The person who originally gave him his club. He's going to see them. It's been a while. Ooh, boy. Okay. So, we will... So, this is what we'll do. So, we'll do this one by one. So, everyone's kind of going off into their own direction. Um, I'll let the other ones go first. Okay. So, I actually will start with Mac on this one. So, Mac... As you kind of go for back to your apartment, you uh, get out of your shooby dooby doo vehicle, so to speak. Right. <laughs> and after waving to Mrs. Yu on your way up the stairs, you make your way back into your apartment. And as you walk in, you see your now fiance, Jean, right. at, like in the middle of making some food. Um, she's like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting you to be so home uh, early, love. Um, everything okay? Everything's fine. Nothing to nothing to be worrying about. Just a, just got an early days off for a change. Got lucky that way, I guess. Uh huh. Okay. Um. Well. Uh. Again, I wasn't expecting you to be home so early, but uh, just give me a little bit more time, and I will have a food ready for us so and she kind of just walks over to you gives you a big old kiss on your lips and is just like now you be a good boy and wait and I will come serve you once I'm done alright you got it don't don't <laughs> mind me I'll just be and he just goes sits on the couch and like promptly takes a nap 
So as uh, hours pass by, uh, you feel a small kind of tug on your shirt a little bit. And as you wake up, you just see um, in front of you, you see Jean kind of just sitting next to you, tugging your shirt, but also rubbing your hair a little bit. And on the coffee table in front of you, too, is just a plate of what looks to be uh, some sort of uh, fettuccine, but mixed in with a couple of vegetables and a little beef. So kind of like a beef stir fry, but with fettuccine noodles instead of regular ramen noodles. (laughs) I'm down. I'm down with that. (laughs) And so she kind of just picks up a bowl, hands it to you and says, now knowing you. I'm pretty sure whatever it is, you always come home with a big appetite. So I made plenty of extra servings, especially for you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, yeah, I have no idea how much I needed. A good, a good something to eat. Just to let the day just, you know, ease off and go away. And you, know you know where I'm going with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, how did today go? What did you get up to? Uh, what I got up to is about six foot seven, but, uh, you ask for dad jokes, you get them. Uh, no, it's not, not a whole lot. Like work was relatively boring. Just really, I can't get the right, right word out. It was just, there wasn't a whole lot to it. Just another, just another day, another dollar kind of thing. Uh, okay. Well. Just kind of going out and about, nothing about it. All right, I can see that. Well, I mean, well, I'm still glad that you seem to enjoy yourself, even if uh, nothing too crazy happened today. And she kind of just watching you eat your food. She kind of just silently smiles. And she kind of says, you know, I I'm a very lucky woman. And she kind of looks at you. She's like, I, I'm happy to have you, love. And, um, you know, you can tell me anything, right? I do tell you everything. 100% of likes. He can't, feels like he doesn't know you can tell her like half the stuff he does. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, of course I tell you absolutely everything. Everything. Like, I'm not even going to try, like. You know, role play a lie on that one, but it's like, yeah, of course. No, sure. mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? No, I'm. I'm not saying you're lying, hun. I'm just saying, even if whatever it is you're feeling, you know that I'm here for you, and we've been together for a very long time. There's nothing too crazy that would scare me off at this point. That's the last thing I want to do, anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, I just another. Easy, easy day, nice and nice and slow. Boss man didn't bother me. Look, I didn't even see him today, you know. Like I didn't even see him. <laughs> well, that's good. I I I know he can be a bit of a bit of an asshole, so to speak, but but I'm glad that you enjoyed yourself today. And she kind of gets closer and she uh just looks into your eyes and she says, I'm very happy to be with you. And I'm very happy that we get to spend the rest of our life together. And just know that even when things get out of control and things can get a little um, 
crazy and you feel like you're losing control, I will always be here to remind you that you are more than what you think you are. And she kind of just kisses your forehead a little bit. And Mac, for a brief moment, as Jean is kissing your forehead, oddly enough, you feel kind of a warm presence kind of overtake your body a little bit. And you kind of, I mean, you were at peace before, but now this is just like all kind of feelings of worry anxiety, anything really. It's like a very unnatural piece, but like in a beautiful way. And as you kind of, as Jean kind of retracts, she just smiles again. And then that feeling of warmth kind of stays with you for a little bit before it dissipates. Uh, she just smiles real big. No, no words. Just knowing that everything's going to be a okay, probably. Because again, he always has that vision that the ghost of Christmas future or Christmas yet to come like gave him. So that sticks with him. Yeah. And so kind of without mincing words, she kind of just after you guys finish your meal, she kind of just curls up and lays in your lap. And we kind of just you enjoy your evening in very beautiful silence. And yeah, so. From there, we're going to cut a few hours later to the precinct as our trio of police officers are now in their civvy clothes, so to speak. And Friedrich, as you and Quinn are kind of walking out the front door, both of you just see Dawes kind of go past you in a huff and out the door without even saying anything to you. And Quinn kind of just gives you the head nod, be like, we should probably go stop her. Probably, yeah. Cool. Uh, I guess we're gonna not really take off as in run after her, but move with a purpose. Okay. So yeah, so you move to the purpose and Dawes is kind of just walking uh, down to her car and she's kind of fumbling with her keys. She's like muttering. She's like, frickin' shirk, frickin' frickin'. It's like, damn it. Doss, uh, I thought we were gonna grab a drink after work. Honestly, Friedrich, I'm I'm not in the mood right now. I mean, she says that, but you three know each other very well, and this is one of her defense mechanisms to kind of, like, get you to leave her alone. But you and Quinn both know better. I kind of motion for Quinn to kind of Give me and Das a, a little bit of space, and I walk over to Das, and uh, I'm trying to picture it right now. Uh, I'm I'm guessing where I'm a sight bigger than her. I just kind of lean on the side of her car, and I go, Das, we know you better than this. What's wrong? We've done many calls that ended up pretty much the same way. You never let them get to you. You're always telling me to get things off of my chest. It's your turn. What's wrong? She kind of lets out a long sigh. I don't know, Friedrich. I just... 
I don't know why you have no issue with O'Reilly being here. You saw what happened today. Uh, he just frustrates me to no end. I, I don't know. He just frustrates me is all. I understand that. And believe me, he, he frustrates me at times as well. But we've been in this business long enough that we know that we can't let personal feelings get in the way of things. Believe me, there's times when I want to yell at everyone and everything. But we got to remember, not only do we have a job we've got to do, we have an image we have to uphold. We've, how can I say it? We've got to let the people know that not only are we here to protect them, but we also got to let people know that we're here to listen to them. I don't know how many times I've pulled traffic stops that uh, people say, oh, I just have a quota I've got to fill. And you know, it's none of that. There's a reason that we do everything that we do. These people aren't numbers. They're, they're people. So we got, we can't let, we can't let things boil over. Come on, come get a drink with us. Okay. So, uh, Rick, I would like you to, you're going to, I'm going to have you roll a convince for me to try to talk Daz into going with you guys. So, uh, if you think you have any tags that would relate to convincing Daz to go with you to go get a drink, you may you may list them out, and I'll tell you which ones you can use. So yeah, ah, uh, I, you know what? I'm gonna try to use seen it before because in the line of work that uh, that we're in, we see emotions boil over like this all the time. So we've got to try to remain uh, maintain our composure and. I would like to try to use man's best friend because not only am I speaking to her as a co-worker, I'm speaking to her as a friend. Okay. So I will say that that first tag will definitely apply. But I'm going to say that the second tag does not apply in this case because man's best friend usually refers to how you would use Cerberus with you and your line of work. So that's more for Cerberus than it is for you. So I will deny that second one, but you can use the first one. I tried. (laughs) It's fine. All right. So what I roll one six sided die. No, you roll, you still roll your two D six. Remember? And then you're adding plus one to it for your tag. Okay. Uh, that would be a nine. Yeah, nine. Okay. So nine is a is a soft success, but there is going to be some complications. So after kind of listening to you a little bit, you could see for a moment of in Daz's eye. She, well, you could see in Daz's demeanor. She she looks like that she's gonna accept. And before she could say anything, she kind of retracts a little bit 
And she just looks you in the eyes and says, No, I'm sorry. Not tonight. Maybe another time. I, uh, I have some things that I need to work out for myself. Um, but you boys go and have a good time and, um, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And so she gets in her car. She kind of starts the ignition. And within a few moments, you kind of just see her kind of drive off. And not even in her speedy, normal self that y'all come to know, she kind of just actually is driving the regular speed limit here. And well, something is seriously wrong. Oh, yeah. But you don't know exactly what that is. But as the complication here is, is, is that as you watch her drive off, you notice that this foot of your feet, you notice what looks to be a folded piece of paper. I will pick up the paper. Okay. So you pick it up and you open it up and inside is a picture. As you look at the picture, it looks to be a younger version of Dawes. And you see that uh, it's a younger version of Dawes. And so as you look at the picture a little bit closer, you also see a woman who looks a little bit older, uh, who looks to be fairly uh, similar looking to Dawes. And from what you can gather, you could tell that she's related to Dawes in some form. And as you're looking around the uh, picture, you notice that some of the edges are kind of like frayed and what look to be burnt a little bit. Just so Quinn doesn't get too worried, I'm going to put that picture in my pocket. Okay. So as you put it in your pocket, you also notice that before you do, there seems to be some sort of writing on the back of it. Okay. I would like to do a look, please. Okay. So as you take a look at it, you um, take a look at the back and written in a kind of faded pen, you see uh, written across it, uh, never forget, uh, and it gives you a date of April 15th, 1997. Okay. Uh, in the picture, uh, is it like a picture that's taken outside or inside or what? Uh, I, I'm just trying to get a, a general idea of like where the picture was taken. It looks to be inside of some sort and but you can't tell from everything, but you could tell that there's walls in the distance. It looks to be some sort of, um, just looks to be some sort of house. Okay. Uh, like I said before, I'll put the picture in my pocket. Okay. So you put it in the pocket and then I'm assuming that you are going to, uh, join, uh, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to kind of break the, uh, the possibly somber tone that's going on. I look at Quinn. I just kind of punch him in the shoulder. and I go, no, we're not going to the titty bar. 
And Quinn just looks at you and just is like, okay, didn't know that that's what I was thinking, but whatever. <laughs> but all right, well. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll hop in his car and we'll head on. Okay, cool. So you and Quinn get into the car and the two of you without Dawes heads on over to uh, your usual spot. All righty. Corey, you had left your uh, team and you were headed in the opposite direction. So uh, where were you heading, my friend? Well, as as the first season start started, you head back to the all-important jazz bar. Where he's going to okay. meet his old friend who runs the place. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of there and she you walk in and she's like, ah, well, if it isn't the good old Corey O'Reilly, what can I do for you, my friend? I'm going to need something hard just to keep the anger from overflowing. Well. It depends. Are we talking about the self-loathing anger, or I'm a hurt somebody else anger? Let's put let's put it this way: I was ready to put someone through the wall. All righty then. Well, looks like it's going to be a, a hard uh, whiskey on the rocks. Then I'll just get you the bottle, and so she kind of just gets you a glass the bottle and she kind of pours the first shot and just leaves it there and she's kind of just looking at you do you want to tell me what happened or not really should have known this would have came up fucking with cops should have known but no I didn't think about that so it's it's very different philosophies Sometimes I understand that there's a time to be decisive and sharp, and there's a time to be blunt. I know I'm not good at deciding between those two. Uh, well, I mean... <sighs> well, I'd... I don't know a whole lot of exactly what went down, but I'll say this, Mr. O'Reilly. I could see both sides, honestly. Maybe this person didn't necessarily agree with your methods, and sometimes in certain situations, it is important to be blunt and just get straight to the point. But, as you know, as a bartender, and as a, you know, in the business of people, so to speak, you got to learn how you, it's not what you say, it's how you deliver it to the person. You can still be open and honest with them. You just got to work, you just got to deliver it a little bit differently. And I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying any one person is right or any one person is wrong in this situation. But, you know, uh, you, you just got to pick and choose your battles. I accept that I was wrong. I was going to, I was most likely going to agree with them after the fact. But, 
as as soon as I brought my daughters, that's that's the point of no return. Well, as, that is kind of that is a little messed up, so to speak. Um, as, I'm sorry. Uh, which of the officers are we talking about here? No, we're not doing anything wrong to them, though. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not planning to do anything to them. It's, it's Dawes. Officer Dawes, why do I... I know that name. Oh. Oh, no. No. What storm did I put myself into this time? Uh, so, Mr. O'Reilly, I, listen, I know you've been around for a very long time. Um, I thought I recognized that name. Uh, I mean, it is my business to know pretty much anything and everything related to Payne Town in terms of people, but, and, the bartender kind of just, she just, just, she hesitates a little bit. And then she says, the reason I know Officer Dawes' name is because she is the sole survivor of the Gacy fire of 1997. She kind of looks at you, Corey, it's just like, the same fire that started due to a certain father figure kind of just looks at you with God damn it. That's the one thing. I guess. Wonder if she even knows. So, as you say that, we're going to go to a little quick little flashback. So, as we, uh, Corey, as you're kind of thinking back and wondering if she knows, your memory kind of jolts a little bit and kind of takes you back to 1997. And you are currently running, trying to get out of this burning apartment building as it's kind of going up in flames and you're kind of just at this point, this is an a more adult, uh, Corey, I want to say mid twenties. So you're no longer a teen, uh, kind of just running about, just trying to dodging, falling debris, all that kind of stuff. And as you make your way out of the apartment, down the apartment building, you just watch, um, the building go up in flames and as people are on looking you see the fire department kind of run up the stairs kind of try to put it out grabbing people that are left behind and as you are taking it in covered in soot and ash and your clothes partially uh, burnt you see a young you see a firefighter what looks to be a little girl who is just yelling and screaming for them to go save her mother 
and kind of is just like bawling and like ugly crying. And for a brief moment, as she's kind of struggling to get out of the firefighter's arms, you see for a brief moment, the two of your eyes connect and in hers, you see a very hint, a very, very deep tortured sadness behind her eyes and in yours she sees the look of somebody who knows why this is happening and as you like connect with your eyes Corey you just see for a brief moment out of the corner of your eye you see a black raven kind of fly out of the fire off into the distance. This this is still Corey without the bat, right? Yes. As soon as he, he sees the raven getting out of the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Corey, I'm going to say this. Corey, Corey's probably seen and felt the stuff. Well, not seen, quote-unquote, but knows something ain't right. And he's, as soon as he sees the raven, he's just going to book it. Does it. He doesn't know. He doesn't know if his father's survived or what. He's just getting out of there. Okay. And so, as you book it, you just continue to run and just run. And you don't know where you're going. But you want to get as far away from your quote unquote prison cell that you've been locked up in for most of your life. And you just continue to run and run and you keep running until your legs can't hold you up anymore. And as the memory begins to fade, it kind of just keeps seeing a young 20 something year old Corey. Just running with no destination, no goal in mind, but running from the ashes of his past, so to speak, as we come back to the present. The bartender kind of looks at you. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly, you seem to be lost in thought. Is everything okay? As, as you are what my only friends are left here. I have told you stories of my father. Uh, well, yeah, I mean... I never told you why you found me in the Mafia. Or why I was running to it. That was because of that fire. Oh, I mean, that fire did take a lot from a lot of people that day. You know. Oh, yes. My father caused it. Whatever. What? Yes, he caused the fire. He's still alive. For all I know. I don't know. Let me be, be blunt here. I was, I was never a rift. And trust me. I don't know why he said it. That man's a maniac for all I care. But he said it. And that's all I know. So the bartender kind of just is stunned with silence and then 
after a few brief and moments. That, and at that time, and even to this day, there is still no really good laws for us rifts. Meaning, even if I was a rift at the time and I tried to get him in there, in jail cell, or took the justice to my own hands, nothing would have happened. Except maybe I could have killed him. Maybe if I had the bat sooner, all of this sadness and death could have been prevented. Who knows? It's just one of the great lives, great mysteries. What if this happened? What if that happened? But no. We are on a linear track. We can't change it. As, as Corey says, as he starts playing with the cane. Well, Mr. O'Reilly, of course no one can change the past. And we know that... Well, I mean, now I know that your father started it, but... And she kind of looks at you, Corey, and just says... But that fire took a lot from a lot of people. There's a lot of hurt still hanging on around that. And it seems that you and Dawes have a lot more in common than you think. You both lost something that day. It seems that she lost whatever family that she had. And you, both of you lost family in a different sense. You lost the darkness that your father held over you. And she lost the light that her mother brought into her life. And while the circumstances may have been different, the two of you both are the only remnants, so to speak, left of that darkness and that light. While the two forces may oppose each other from time to time, I honestly think that you find out that they have a lot more in common night and day than most people give credit for. You know, this is why I come to you. It's always good to have a friend who doesn't age. They really are the wisest and can put you back on track. Uh, Mr. O'Reilly, I haven't been around I haven't been around for centuries for nothing. I've seen a lot, and I've heard a lot of people tell me their tales of woes, you included. All I'm saying is, is that you and Dawes, you don't have to be friends after all this. And uh, both of you were in the wrong for this one. But it's because there's a lot of hurt that is tied to both of you. And so long as both of you don't try to acknowledge that and work through it, that pain and that suffering is going to keep getting in the way. So it's time to try, try to be delicate and blunt. I think both of you have a lot to learn from each other. But more importantly, I think a good sit-down conversation and a heart-to-heart -heart is definitely something that I think would benefit you both. And the bartender kind of looks at you and just like, 
Listen, Mr. O'Reilly, I know this is not easy, especially since you want to get out, since you got out of the life for the most part. But honestly, I think this would be very good for you. More importantly, I think this would be a good step to kind of be that example to your daughters and show them that even in the most trying times, you're learning to try to be a better example for them and that the spirit uh, that the spirit of their mother still lives on even within you. Thank you, my old friend. Now, now I have to figure out how to get in a peaceful chat with Mrs. Dawes. I'm sure you guys will figure something out, but in the meantime, I do believe there are two beautiful girls waiting for you to return home. So, why not? Let's not keep them waiting now. It's rude to keep a lady waiting as she kind of winks at you. I'm going, I'm going. As he leaves the bottle, which... There's a little missing, but for the most part, the bottle looks like it was barely drunk at all. Okay. Alrighty, so you leave the bar, you get back in your car. Um, uh, I'm assuming you're heading back home, Corey. Yeah. Okay. So as you drive and kind of reflect upon everything that you and the bartender talked about it, in no time you make your way back to your house, and as you're kind of getting out of the car and you walk through the front door, you see your two beautiful girls who have fallen asleep on the couch in their pajamas waiting for you to come home. And you can see that your youngest one is holding her stuffed animal. And the older one is kind of like hugging her, her sister as they're both kind of sprawled out sleeping on the couch. I, I just cover them up. Okay. So you get a blanket, you cover them up. You turn off the lights, you head to your room, and as you get ready to um, go to bed for the evening, you take a look at your nightstand that has a picture of you and your uh, lovely departed wife, and as you look at it intently, in the back of your mind, you can hear just her echoing, it's like, just telling you no matter what happens my love just continue to remember that though your heart may be broken it may have been stitched together back up a lot of times it is still beating and it's still there never lose sight that even underneath that tough exterior there's a loving caring person the man that I fell in love with as you kind of just continue to stare at the photo. Corey quickly wipes away the tears, which are formed quickly. Okay. So as you wipe away the tears, you flick the lamp off and you kind of, after a little bit, you 
are welcomed into uh, the embrace of sleep as the night falls on. And as our three uh, rifts, in their respective places, some of them going to bed, some of them enjoying the company of their fiance, others having a drink with a friend, they all know that when morning comes, that things will need to continue forward, that hopefully, with everything on the line, they will be able to see the sunrise another day. And on that little note, we're going to end the session right there for tonight. Yep. Tonight what? was a roller coaster. I, I'm sorry. I, I was I was taking the advice of Mac. Corey's got his daughters to think about. If if he did not have to think about his daughters, I'm gonna say this. Corey will have just put Dawes right through the wall right then they're not caring about the damn consequences. Oh, of course, and I'm I'm not knocking you for it. I love that character choice. And you know, it's true to Corey's character because he is a former mobster. He's a little bit of a hard ass, but you know, it's that's why it's called character development for a reason. We all the characters are going to go through a different range of stuff, but you know, Honestly, yeah. I'm glad you made that choice because it provided some really beautiful moments towards that third half right now. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that Mac wasn't here for the last part of that. <laughs> I know, but he'll be able to hear it once the episode comes out. But uh, we can talk more off uh, camera, so to speak. But on that lovely note... To the listening audience, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Knights of Pain Town. When we come back next time, we'll continue on with this case. What will our party do? Uh, what conversations need to be had? Will Das and Corey be on the same page and learn to forgive each other? And what other developments await for our unlikely alliance? Well, you're going to have to come back to the next episode in order to find that out. But as always, from us here at the D&D Vibe Tribe, remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, let the good times roll. Until next episode, we will see you later. Take care. Bye, my friends.